Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29 of Peachtree Hoops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm here with Glenn Willis of Peachtree Hoops. Uh, we're talking Sunday night after the Hawks game one win. Maybe it's Monday morning now. I'm not really keeping track. Uh, but uh, Glenn, should, should Nate McMillan just try to get another $25,000 fine to let the world know what Taj Gibson is doing? Uh, you know, he, he might he might need more than twenty five k. If it were totally up to me, uh, you know, I, I, it might need to be a bigger rant than that other one. That that was, you know, I feel just a tiny bit conflicted because I'm a I'm a pretty big Todd Gibson fan. I, I'm a big fan of anybody who will do the dirty work and not care about their stats and work super hard for their teammates. But yep, yep, agreed. But, but he took me you know, up to a line I couldn't cross with him in this game. He was, but, you know, a lot of that was I was rooting for the Hawks to win, of course. But it got crazy. I mean, it, it just got really crazy with how physical he was getting um, and how much he got away with, um, you know. if he. But I have to be fair, if he's doing that for the team you root for, it doesn't bother you at all. Um, but this was – I thought there were a few of the things were pretty excessive. Um, but thankfully – uh, the referees found their whistle in the fourth quarter, generally speaking. Not 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 so much that they were catching everything that Taj was doing, but I think that was really on ball stuff. It it was. Uh and Trey um just took control. And uh, you know, part of that was uh, getting where he wanted to get on key possessions and you know, delivering passes. The other part was, you know, the not getting frustrated without getting a free throw. F- at, you know, for, through the first three quarters and generating nine in the fourth quarter. And that, I mean, that kind of maturity and composure was just impressive that he didn't just kind of punt on, you know, making things of the contact and making things of the defensive attention and all that sort of stuff. When they need those free throws the most is when he kind of turned it on and, and went looking for that. And, you know, maybe part of his thought process was, thought process was if I start looking for all this too early, you know, it's going to get all sorts of pushback from the other coaching staff. And, you know, and he, you know, I don't know how strategic it was, <laughs> but he turned that on at just the right time. And, and and it worked out nine free throws in the fourth quarter, each of them huge. Yeah. And he wasn't, it's not like his scoring went away without the free throws either. He was finding ways to score. Uh, you know, it felt like he was able to turn the corner the whole night. Uh it's not like what the, what the Knicks were doing was was trying to – maybe they were trying to keep him from turning the corner, but it certainly wasn't working. Um, you know, he was able to get to his floater uh, pretty much whenever he wanted to. It seemed like that that's what was going to be there. Uh, it was a little bit weird because, you know, the, by the end of the game, the Knicks didn't have really either one of their rim protectors. Uh, you know, they started with Nerlens Noel, Mitchell Robinson's hurt, and then Noel was gone by the end. Uh, that certainly made life, I think, a little bit easier for him down the stretch. But uh, <sighs> what do you make of just sort of the situations? I, I think this is a sort of a fascinating matchup between the Hawks' big men and the Knicks' big men. I know that this is uh, this is a series about players like Trey Young and, of course, the Knicks guards off the bench were all phenomenal. Um, but what did you think of, in terms of, you know, what Randall offered? We saw the Hawks 
uh, counter with a whole bunch of different people you know, guarding him. And of course, the Hawks have a bunch of different looks between you know whether they roll with Gallinari, uh, whether they roll with Capella, you know Collins. They all sort of offer different things. They had a combo win in the first half, but not the second. And then, of course, the Knicks were sort of limited by injury. But uh, you know, when when you look at the matchups of bigs, what do you see? Yeah, well, I mean, I thought Noel did a you know a good job, kind of countering Capella's impact for. You know, a good bit of the game. I mean, Capella is the better player of those two. That's that's not a controversial thing to say. But I just thought Noel fought hard and kind of fought hard to get himself where he needed to be to impact plays, um, you know, relative to expectation, you know, anyway. So, I, you know, give – I mean, Capella was good in this game. I mean, he, he really had presence at the rim, and the Knicks had a hard time – Knicks had a hard time generating points in the paint, especially early – I mean, yep. Rose Rose got going in the way that he does, and sometimes he really, it feels like it felt like he got going a little bit after Capella left. I mean, there maybe had been a couple before, but then as soon as Capella left, it was like the switch went on, and Rose was leading the charge to the rim after Capella left. Yeah, I think that I think that's true. And then once Rose got going, even when Capella came back on, Rose was had it going at that point in time. There yeah. wasn't much yeah. Capella could do. So, you know, I, I think that's there. I thought Collins was just awesome on both ends in the first half. Um, didn't have quite the same impact in, in the second half. Um, the game just got a lot more physical and kind, of, and kind of became a little more of a grind. You know, John's always been better kind of running up and down the court. And, yeah. you know, when the other team kind of spreads the ball, spreads the floor on offense, he can run and jump and, and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, so I, I thought it was um, good. I mean, the surprising – things the most surprising thing to me was Gallo matching up with Randall I mean he he guarded him for exactly eight minutes and five seconds it was so it jumped out to me so much I could tell you exactly that was the, time. that was the whole game eight minutes five seconds no that was the first half oh first half okay. first half and I'm gonna guess it was around four to five minutes in the second half maybe something, mm-hmm. something along those lines um, and Randall really never got it going. You know, he hit a big right. three down the stretch, but he, he never really got any ry- uh, rhythm going. Um, and I'd have to go back on, to be honest, and kind of rewatch the game to generate kind of a really specific idea of why I, I think that is. I mean, I think Hunter did a great job just kind of getting into him to start the game um, and, and maybe just making him feel just uncomfortable enough to not kind of get to his spots, you know, and all that sort of stuff. But um, you know, JC was awesome in the first half. Randall never got it going on the Knicks side. Noel, I think, represented himself well, but Capella had a lot of impact on the game. And, you know, I think I think at one point I tweeted that Gallo was 0 for 5 from 3 and yeah. but and had guarded Randall for this host of minutes, and the Hawks were still winning at that point in time. So, you know, just kind of a lot of unexpected things there. Taz, uh, you know, dirty the game up in the way that he does that's helpful to his team. Uh, and then the other thing is when Capella was off and Gallo and JC were playing together, the Hawks could not rebound the basketball at, at all. And when the, yeah. I think when the Knicks got their best surge, you know, down the stretch of the third quarter into the fourth, um, I, I, that would have been down the stretch of the third quarter. Cause yeah, I, remember, I think by the fourth, it started to swing back. Right. And because Capella came in with like, I want to say 50.1 seconds left yeah. in the third quarter mm-hmm. and just immediately stabilize the rebounding and i kevin i don't know if the hawks you know have some separation to deal with it, starting the fourth quarter if mcmillan didn't make the decision to get capella back in right away when they couldn't rebound the basketball so you know the, capella will probably be a, a none of the highlight packages tonight 
but right. they could not rebound the ball without him in the game, you know, and that, that was, that was a critical part of what he brought. Yeah. You know, I actually kind of like Gallinari on Randall. If Randall isn't hot shooting, like, you know, when he doesn't have the jumper going, I think that's a good matchup because he's, he's not quick, but he's quick enough you know, combined with his strength that Randall isn't necessarily going to get to all the spots that he wants to get to. And if you're doing it that way, you know, you've got your help protector at the rim because, you know, if he's out there playing with Collins, if he's out there playing with Capella, you know, there's still going to be some help at the rim because, you know, he's going to be playing with Noel or he's going to be playing with uh, Taj Gibson. So you, you know that you're going to have, you know, the, the, the possibility or the probability of some help at the rim if you go that way. So I, I don't hate it. It's just that, you know, on a night when Randall comes out and hits his first three jumpers, that's, that's when it's going to get a little bit dicey because then he's going to come in when Randall's hot and it's going to be uh, that, that, that could be ugly. But I, overall, I like the strategy of just kind of changing bodies because I think it's kind of a grind to do it. And the Hawks were kind of weird about minutes. They didn't really get uh, high on minutes with anybody, which is you just kind of particularly weird because yeah, they got two. They have two days off. The next game is until Wednesday. Um, so you, I would have thought that they would have gone a little higher with the minutes with some of their starters. But uh, uh, I kind of, I kind of like the Gallo on Randall matchup because then you're not you're not counting on him for the rotations. Uh, you you know, and you're going to have help with the rim. But like you said, the one real weakness though is then if if it's if it's Gallo on Randall and you're counting on Collins to rebound and that somebody like Taj Gibson and uh, the whistles have been swallowed, he's, he's going to lose that wrestling match. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, a couple of things there. One is Tibbs didn't go crazy on minutes either. And he's famous for that. But, <laughs> right. but I think, but I think on both sides, uh, the second units were playing so well. I mean, for the next, the whole game, but for the Hawks, you know, Lou really gave them a lot. Um, you know, in the second half. Um, and so I think it just so happened that both coaches kind of read their sec- wrote their second longer than they would have, you know, according to plan, just because their they're second units were playing well. I, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's what Nate said. I, he said that uh, Trey came to him and said, leave Lou in. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and Burks played so well, you know, for yeah. the Knicks and, and quickly was good and, and Rose was Rose. And so, that's, you know, I, I mean, quickly played a lot for a rookie, you know, in a game like this. He was good, too. Um, more so in the first half. But then on the other side with Gallo, the, well, the thing that surprised me, and, you know, and you always think, well, we see this in the next game, if you didn't see in game one, is a veteran. And Randall's, like, a, a veteran, you know, but this is his first, play, you know, playoff game. Uh, I believe in his career. Um, certainly, I, I can't think of where else he would have gotten in. But um, no, this is Randall's you know, first career player game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought I thought I didn't know if he might have had a quick first nope. round somewhere. No. Nope. Yeah, this was him. But um, so, but you know, Gallo certainly is not capable of just staying in front of Randall. And most veterans, when they get matched up with a guy who can't stay in front, or they're just going to go draw fouls. They're going to dribble right into the guy or dribble, you know, past the guy, since the guy can't move his feet, and just, you know, wham, 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 get two or three fouls. And Randall didn't try that. I mean, not that I recall. Maybe if I, on a rewatch, I'll see he tried it once or twice. Um, but he never really kind of went to, you know, 
a typical veteran move of like, this guy can't stay in front of me. You know, I'm going to get fouls and get my team into the bonus and get myself to the free throw line and, and all that stuff. That, that just never happened. And I, I'm not trying to take any credit away from Gallo. I thought Gallo did a, a good job kind of identifying where Randall was trying to go. And, and Randall is more of a straight line driver than a really, you know, tricky dribbler or anything like that, right. Right. which which makes them, to your point, kind of makes the matchup you know, not so crazy, you know. Um, but I have to admit that, that was – He tends to give a cushion, which is why I think the jumper is there. And it, yeah. With that cushion, you know, Nate, Nate has said that. I was like, well, how, you know, a couple months ago, I was like, Gallinari is doing pretty well on defense. How is he doing? He's like, well, he gives a cushion, which is, you know, the old man trick. You know, give him the jumper, which mm-hmm. works if, uh, if, you're, if you're the person you're guarding is, is not really hitting their jumper, but it gets a little more dangerous when they are. <laughs> It, it does. Uh, that, that was a surprise. And we'll, we'll, you know, these series like these have uh, storylines. To me, that's one of them is Ken Gallo continue defending Randall for 12, 13 minutes a game, whatever that might be, or, or will Randall kind of press the issue and, and turn that into, turn that back toward McMillan and kind of force McMillan to make a decision about this. something he feels like he can stay with or not. So that'll be fascinating to watch. We saw the 10 man rotation in the first half, nine in the second. What did you think about uh, how that all shook out and how the bench was used? Yeah, I wasn't really surprised. Uh, on Peastry Hoops, I, I had a mailbag come out on sa- yesterday, that, be, that being Saturday. And one of the questions was that, and I suggested as many as potentially 11. And, but even though I said 11, <laughs> I said 11 is crazy. I mean, 11 is crazy for a playoff game. But I just, you know, I've heard people say, like, well, Lou shouldn't play. And I'm like, Nate's going to play Lou. Come on. Lou's going to play, <laughs> you know. And then when you get yeah. to Snell and when you get to Lou and you get to Gallo, and then you and I have talked many times where I thought Okongwu would get three-ish minutes in the first half just to set up the big rotations. And he got What was the final tally? It was more than that, wasn't it? Um, it was – it felt quick, Let's but see. the game was moving fast. It was um, moving fast. So Okongwu played – you're right, three minutes. Yeah, so that uh, – and I think the plan – it looked to me like the plan was to play a little longer, but that the Knicks were getting stuff at the rim right away when Okongwu kind of came on. Yep. So that'll be another thing to watch is does Okongwu get three, four minutes in the first half in game two? It set up the rotation well, you know, in this game and kind of set them up to be able to manage the rotations the rest of the way. So I don't – I guess I don't feel like he ha- can't play. Um, but I thought McMillan handled it well. He threw him out there, and it, when it was obvious, he was – And he um, was not, playing with Gallinari, correct? Right. He was playing with Gallinari, which is not ideal for a rookie rookie center, right? Yeah, it's not. <laughs> Get no, a little help, you know. Yes. So, but, but again, I, I think the Congo time was – fully about just trying to set the big man rotation up and yeah. um, you know, and not have to pull either Clint or JC off four minutes into the game, let that first unit kind of get some rhythm and get some. Cause they, they had the rim sealed off at the beginning of the game. <laughs> oh, man. I thought that was honestly one of the most impressive things that the Hawks did was just Capella and Collins in the first quarter. It's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to let them shoot at the rim. Yeah. I mean, Collins was all over the place is, yeah. you know, so I thought that was great. It, it, I mean, getting three or four minutes of a Congo in the first half, if it lets you set up the power forward and center rotation the whole rest of the game the way you want, I think that's okay. And certainly um, getting game, a game one win makes you feel like, 
I don't have to make adjustments. You know, the burden right. is kind of on the Knicks to kind of, to kind of make the adjustments. Mm-hmm. And so I, I expect it'll be the same. I mean, the other thing that surprised me was that I, you know, I expected to see some Solomon Hill who, you know, who would have not played if, if he would have been kind of thrown into the mix. Yeah. That's so hard for me to say. Mm-hmm. Um, when Gala was giving them enough on offense, I did have the thought like, well, you know, Solo might give them more on defense <laughs> It wouldn't be doing any worse on offense. That dismisses how much space Gallo creates as a shooter, even when he's not making shots. But Solo was just so good on Randall in, in the clutch of the regular season. But, um, you know, nice. Solo is a nice thing to have in the back pocket, you know, in a situation like this. So I, yeah. I would guess we'll see 10 again. And, you know, you and I talked a week or so ago about how a series like this goes on if this gets to a, you know, sixth game, a seventh game, rotations really get small then but game two i i would expect the first half rotation to be the same um i expect the congo to be on a, on a short leash but i i think you know everything the other nine uh get their run in the first half and from there it's about making adjustments and tighten it up where it needs to be tightened up uh yeah i was i was a little bit you know one of the things i was most worried about coming into this series was uh whether or not, you know, DeAndre Hunter would hit a shot. And I, he hit, you know, I think he only hit one, like, three-point shot, but Huge. he looked terrific on defense, and, and he did hit that one shot, and I just feel like that's going to be a big uh, mental icebreaker for him. And I loved yeah. how the Hawks set it up. It was like a Spain pick and roll. Right. And the first time they ran it, they put Bogdanovich as the player who was screening the screener, and it got Capella to the rim for a dunk. Second time they ran it, they swapped out Hunter for Bogdanovich. And then as soon as he screened for the screener, you know, Hunter just sprinted all by himself up to the top of the three point line. And he just had as much room as, you know, it was basically a practice shot at that point and he hit it. But I, I think that's really important. Uh, you know, I, I think that's going to be a swing factor over the course of seven games is, you know, do, does Hunter get hot or moderately warm, uh, because they need those shots. You know, one of the things McMillan was saying post game is he's like, you know, every, everything sort of went according to plan in the first half and the ball was moving where it should be. We just missed shots. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, this is the first start for Hunter in a long time, right? Yep. yep. Playoff game. And then yep. he had a ton of defensive responsibility. <laughs> you know, he, he, I'm yeah. sure like 95% of his mental processing was, you know, allocated sure. to the defensive kind of side of the game plan. But it was, you know, he, he had a, you know, a, a jumper go, I think, fairly early in the third quarter. And then that, that three-pointer, not only was it huge to see him make it, but it was they needed that three-pointer so badly when he, you know, popped open there at the top of the key. And and, and I think he's going to get open shots because the Knicks are – Yeah. Well, as the game progressed, they really keyed on Bogdanovich a ton, you know. Yep. Um, that, that corner three that Bogdanovich made somehow when he had no space over there, it felt like there were <laughs> – Felt like there were four defenders over there in that corner with him. He still figured out. I asked it. him about that one. I was like, well, oh, yeah. what, what happened on that play? And he's like, well, they almost stole it. And then I got it. And then I was open. So I shot it. And we, <laughs> we, he really didn't like shit. He didn't really shed any light on it. But uh, yeah. That was incredible. I, 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 that's one of the. I've, I've tried to rewatch, you know, while I'm trying to do 10 things here uh, after mm-hmm. a game. I've. I, that's one play that I have not rewatched yet, and I really want to see that one again. I I I, I rewound it and showed that one to my wife. My wife looked at me like, 
you wasted my time with that. I was like, this is so impressive. Like, my wife doesn't care. <laughs> she doesn't care. <laughs> and, and maybe we should end with, with Trey. Uh, playoffs, game one. Oh, yeah. You know, just... I, you know, when he was in summer league in Utah, the first summer league, because he went to two summer leagues, you know, I think he was like 0 for 10 or something in the first game. And he's like, you know, he said something after like, you know, I was, I was nervous my first high school game. I was nervous my first college game. You know, I was nervous here. You know, it'll be fine. Uh, I'm always nervous for the first game. And then he didn't look nervous for his first game. Not at all. Not at all. So uh, hey, tell me about Trey tonight. Yeah, just under control the whole game. Um, yeah, typically you'll see some back and forth with the refs. You'll see some back and forth with the other team. And he, he looked to me more focused than I think I've ever seen him. You know, yeah. maybe there was something yep. to him about intentionally blocking out the noise, blocking out whatever, but he – was just so focused in this game. And to be honest with you, coming into the game, I thought, you know, Trey deserves a little leeway. You know, his first, you know, postseason game, some, you know, Madison Square Garden. And I, th I thought it might take him a game, a game and have to kind of, you know, get settled in. He was locked in the whole game. You know, um, he had a few turnovers, but he didn't have a stretch where he had like awful, you know, turnovers where he was pressing. Um, he let the game kind of come to him without completely kind of going through the motions. He found that balance between being aggressive but not being too aggressive. And then on the game winner, you know, I just did a, a breakdown that will come out, I think, Tuesday on Peace Tree Hoops. And, I mean, it, it's – the game winner was just so smooth. Uh, but I, I frankly can't believe Tibbs let him operate with so much space and didn't kind of – you know, bring more defensive pressure in his face and force someone else to make a shot. If, if they are in that situation, again, there's no way Tibbs lets him walk, basically walk into a floater, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but, I mean, that was a comfortable But he'll be ready. Shot. I mean, it's certainly not like, you know, when the help comes, he, he'll know where it's coming from. So Yeah, I still, I still remember that win in San Antonio where he got double and gave the ball up and Hunter kicked it to her in the left court. So, you know, he knows what to do. Um, but, you know, the, the thing that I um, – and you have to go see this on Peace Street Hoops on Tuesday, take a look. Um, the thing that jumped out at me – so, Kevin, in, in these situations, I think most stars – and I'll, I'll call Trey a star at this point. Some people might say, hey, that's premature, whatever, you know. No, that's fair. Yeah. Um, just, he is a star. Yeah, so – but stars basically get asked, what do you want to do? You know, in a situation like that, where do you want the ball, you know, and that was a Chris Paul play. That was that that was a signature Chris Paul. Play. Chris Paul will do this during any part of the game where he just he'll look at his best shooter with the Clippers. It was JJ Redick. Now with the Suns, well, well, funny with OKC, it was Gallo last year. You know, this year it'll be Bridges or you know Cam Johnson. But he'll tell his best shooter to get in the right corner, send the other three to the left side of the floor, and it creates an alley for Chris Paul to get to his right hand and attack you know, to the right side of the lane. And, and Chris Paul is normally looking for that little signature kind of step back that he uses near the elbow is what he's looking for there. Trey likes the floater, but basically Bogdanovich in the right corner, NBA principles, you don't help off the strong side corner. So, he, sure. he, you know, he had, he knew he'd have room there. And then Gala was in the left corner and, you know, where Herder was in that San Antonio game. And if they brought a lot of pressure at him, I think he knew the ball's going to find its way to Gala on that left corner there. You know, that's a great shooter over there. And when it's all set up, but, you know, 
I, I mentioned on Twitter that Taj came over to double Trey with about six left, I think, yeah. or so. And I think it threw Neil Aquino out of rhythm. And I think that there was an impact to Neil Aquino not having been on the court, that he had no defensive chemistry with that group and that he couldn't work with Taj to kind of navigate Trey. And Trey saw Taj coming and was like, oh, you know, he, and I think he saw Neil Aquino just kind of freeze for a second. And that's when he set him up and went right past him. When Nikita got like unsure what to do as Taj came over to help double, Trey just, I mean, in a split second, saw it and went right by him and, and got to that comfortable floater. Just, I mean, there was no doubt, you know, it, it, it was a solid shot, didn't need a bouncer on the rim, didn't need any of the Kawhi English versus the Sixers, you know, anything like that. It was just, uh, but, you know, as in control as he was the last, what, five minutes of the game, it just didn't surprise me at all that that shot went in, that he got to the shot he wanted to take. You know, so, I mean, game one, playoffs on the road in New York. I mean, I, I just can't imagine expecting a guy like him to play any better than he played in this game. Yeah, yeah you, you you mentioned it as being a chemistry with Gibson, but I just think it's a tough ask to have somebody come in, come in cold. You know, he just he looked he looked kind of rigid. I think you know, there was a there was a moment where Trey saw the hips. I don't know if he did something to get the hips moving because you know, the camera angle really didn't show it. But uh, you know, I, I think you could tell that uh, once once the hips were out of position, he's like, "There's my angle. I'm going." And yeah. he, he was yeah. gone. It was over. Yeah, you could tell Todd actually point and tell Neil Kina to get on Trey's right, and that it took a second mm. for Neil Kina to kind of process what he process was hearing. It. And, yeah. Trey beat, and Trey beat him around that side right before it happened. But you're right. I mean, I if I'm a coach, and I'm not, to be clear. Right. <laughs> not, an, not, I'm not an NBA coach. I'm, I'm a basketball yeah, yeah, coach. Yeah. I'm not an NBA coach. Yeah. But I don't want to defend him on a position like that if he hasn't had, like, at least 10 reps defending him in the game to yeah. get a feel for what he's doing, what he's feeling comfortable with. I, you know, in my mind, R.J. Barrett. Oh, or Barrett. Barrett yeah. yeah, Barrett's um, – you know, young, but he's physical and, you know, is really engaged and works really, really hard at point of attack. I just think hindsight being 2020 has other options. Sure. Um, and, you know, and I've, I've mentioned that Neil Aquina was playing the last three or four games of the regular season. So I thought he was ramping up Neil Aquina to play 10 minutes game or whatever, right. the depending Trey, but uh, that, that, duty. that decision worked out well for the Hawks, you know, yeah. Uh, for sure, but but I, Trey still deserves a ton of credit for sensing that moment of pause yeah. by Neil Keenan and just going right past him and getting himself to a comfortable shot. So I mean, what a fun ending to, you know, it feels like the Hawks haven't been in the playoffs in some ways in twenty years. You know, it's, with a rebuild, it's so hard to really set expectations with yourself as to when you think you're going to get to watch them in a, in a playoff environment again. And what, a, what an absolutely satisfying first game to, to watch this young team uh, play, in, play in the playoffs. So um, game one in the books. Um, and, uh, you know, things are, things are looking good at the moment, I think. All right. Well, uh, we'll have to do it again sometime soon. We get a couple yeah. days to rest up. And uh, <laughs> I'll hit you up later this week, Glenn. Yeah, talk to you later. All right, have a good one. Bye.